The following program is brought to you by Total Theater Online. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff or management of WGBB. You're listening to the station that serves your community, 1240 WGBB. And now it's time for Dave's Gone By with David Lefkowitz. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dave's Gone By. 90 minutes of talk radio, comedy, music, interviews, songs, and sketches. If you've heard any of our previous 45 episodes, well, you might have some idea of what we do, but even then, every show is a little bit different. Every program has something to transform your dreary evening into one both depraved and indifferent. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Dave's gone by marching to the beat of a different drummer, the pluck of a different guitarist, the toot of a different ocarina player, and the instrumental and artiste analogies are especially apt this week because we have two special guests. That's right, two. And they're both what might be called outsider artists, people who share their special off-the-beaten-path and out-of-the-ordinary talents with all of us. I guess you could say outsider artists is a term of endearment for musicians and poets and performance artists who seem to be very normal and familiar when singing a song or reciting verse, but the way they do it is just a shade, or perhaps two shades, outside the mainstream. When Dave Matthews or Roger McGuinn picks up a guitar and sings, well, there's a certain expected, professional, accepted sound there. Even if it's not a great song, it's still in an idiom that's understood by a wide audience. On the other hand, when William Shatner does a recitation of Mr. Tambourine Man, or Tiny Tim warbles tiptoe through the tulips in falsetto, or Jonathan Richmond sings a peon to the ice cream man, something else is going on. Not that these people have no talent or have no stage presence, it's just that their talent is sideways, and their personalities seem to come from a galaxy that adjoins, but is not quite connected to our own. If I were on a desert island, would I trade my Bob Dylan records for the complete works of Wildman Fisher? No. If I were splitting up with a girlfriend... I'll keep the Bangles albums, her lawyer can get the Shags record, but it's important to me that Bob Dylan and Larry Fisher, the Shags and the Bangles, all exist in the same universe. When the song plays, for those few minutes, you are in the place where they are. And if that place is conventional and commercial, so be it. And if it's quirky and weird and even uncomfortable, well, sometimes that's just what the doctor ordered. Hey, Dr. Demento orders it every week and his loyal listeners have been grateful for it for 30 years. Of course, he plays a lot of intentional novelty and comedy recordings, whereas there's a whole other level of outsider music that's more ingenuous, unintentional, and absolutely sincere. I've been thinking a lot about outsider artists recently because we've been losing a bunch of them. Sheb Woolley, Australian country singer Slim Dusty. In a broader sense, you might include Johnny Cash. He was certainly a mainstream success, but also someone who spent his career following a very circuitous and personal route. It's easy in retrospect to hear him play for inmates at San Quentin and Folsom Prison and say, that was a hell of a concert. But what a daring act that was at the time, or recording a nine-inch nail song when he was 70. And then there's Warren Zevon trying to break into the pop charts with songs about violence, twisted behavior, and gorillas. He did it with Werewolves of London, excuse me, Werewolves of London, certainly a bizarre candidate for a top 40 hit, except once you hear that hook, 
you're hooked. That a dozen other Warren Zevon songs should have also made the charts isn't the point. He wasn't Justin Timberlake, he wasn't Ziggy Marley, he wasn't Sean Paul. He may have been working with the best L.A. studio musicians. He might have been a regular on Letterman, but he was still an outsider. And then you have the real outsiders, the far-out-there people, the Ehlert Pilarms and the Ema Sumacs and the Jandex and the One-Hit Blunders. And two of the best outsiders left the world this summer. Wesley Willis, whom I talked about two weeks ago, died in August. Wesley was a giant, 350-pound, black, retarded schizophrenic who made his living selling drawings and eventually scraped together enough money to record his music. An outsider artist, if there ever was one, Wesley nevertheless had a pretty big cult following in rap and punk circles. But more on that later. And I just found out this week that back in June, Shuby Taylor died. William Shuby Taylor, the human horn. The most revolutionary scat singer since Ella Fitzgerald. The most neglected jazz performer since, well, go to a nursing home in Harlem and you'll probably find a dozen, but Shuby's legend grew out of one audio cassette, passed from hand to hand to hand until somehow it reached the right radio station, the right combination of people. I played Shuby on my very first program, and I wish I had the time to play a Shuby song on every program. Well, this week we'll bid him and Wesley Willis farewell. But this show isn't just a graveyard for long-gone outsiders. No siree. If you step up right this way, you will hear absolutely 100% genuine, hard-working, and wonderful outside artists, two of them, with us in the studio is Todd Robbins. He's not a singer. He doesn't play an instrument. Well, maybe he does, but not professionally. No, Todd thrills and amuses audiences in a different way. And he does it five times a week at the Soho Playhouse on Van Damme Street, where Carnival Knowledge has been running since August. What is Carnival Knowledge? And what does Todd Robbins do? Stay tuned. And stay tuned for the whole show. Because after that, we have a musical guest all the way from Wisconsin by telephone wire. It's Art Paul Schlosser, a man, a guitar, a kazoo, a Schlosser. You might have heard his number one hit, Have a Peanut Butter Sandwich, on the Dr. Demento Show. It's also a favorite on WFMU's children's music show, Greasy Kid Stuff. Art has a new song that he thinks will be a smash in this election year. It's called Vote For Me, It's a Joke. And he'll be singing that for us live, and we'll also be talking with him and playing songs off his CDs. Outsider music and madness galore, plus the news gone by, and the Mepham football fight song, all on Dave's Gone By tonight. Potentially the most exciting episode we've ever done, and it all begins after I do four brief things. Introduce myself, give the coordinates, warn the kids, and play a short commercial. Number one, introduce myself. I'm Dave. Dave Lefkowitz, radio personality, humorist, theater critic, and journalist, and this is my show, Dave's Gone By, airing every Monday at 6.30 on Long Island's WGBB AM 1240. We're also on the internet, am1240wgbb.com. If the signal isn't strong where you are, or the sound quality just doesn't cut it, tune us in on your computer, am1240wgbb.com. Now, GBB has had some trouble with its web stream. Two radio stations are coming out of the same building here in Babylon, and sometimes their signals get overlaid onto the same line, and you hear both simultaneously, which is unlistenable. 
I've also heard from a couple of fans that last week they couldn't get the live stream at all. They kept logging on, but the server wouldn't let them in. If that's happening to you tonight, please let me know. If you're hearing this on your radio, but you can't on your computer, tell us, please. It's the only way I can keep tabs on whether we're reaching all the people we should be reaching. So please, email davesgoneby at aol.com and let us know how's your signal, how's your stream, how's it going. davesgoneby at aol.com. Okay, third thing, our weekly disclaimer. Even though it doesn't sound like it, Dave's Gone By is a program for grown-ups. So, if you have children listening, and you think hearing this program will taint their souls, or make them soil their taints, well, you've been warned. And the fourth thing before we get started... No, wait, what was it? Oh, for the life of me, I... Oh, um, no, wait, 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 it'll come to me. Oh, yeah, a commercial. Life is indeed a carnival when you are my special guest here in the studio, Mr. Todd Robbins, who has a show called Carnival Knowledge, and it's playing at the Soho Playhouse on Van Damme Street. I'll even give you the uh, the telephone number for tickets now, 212-239-6200. Why should you go see this, this show? What do they do in there? I was going to tell you about it, but why don't I let... Todd, just give a little summary. Well, first off, I'd just like to thank you uh, very much for uh, letting me be here. It's a grand and glorious experience to be able to babble on and babble on here. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes. I do what I can. Wait, I, I need my comedy bell. Hold yes, on. Okay. Do, do, do that joke one more I time. I say it's a grand and glorious experience to babble on and babble on. Comedy oh, bell. Oh, thank yeah. you. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, as it works out... Uh, Carnival Knowledge is a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the world of the American Sideshow. I do a lot of the classic acts of the Sideshow, uh, sword-swallowing, fire-eating, and some of the more arcane ones, lesser-known things, such as the human blockhead, uh, and eating glass and things like that. But I don't want to scare anyone away, because the fact is we try to make this as, uh, as fun and as entertaining experience. And you also get, like I say, a little behind-the-scenes glimpse. I give you a little information on how these things all fit in, the sort of the tradition that they come from. And uh, it basically, there's 150 years of uh, an American performance tradition crammed into two hours on the stage at the Soho Playhouse. My question, well, I've got yeah. a number of questions about them, and I've seen the show, and it is a lot of fun. Um, one thing that surprised me, and I guess this is not just you, but, but with these kinds of uh, sideshow performers mm-hmm. is you figure, okay, this guy, his specialty is he can swallow, swallow swords. And this guy, he can jump on broken glass. And this guy, oh, he's got this thing where he hammers a, a spike into his nose. You do all of them yourself. You don't yeah. do the contortionist thing that, that your, your assistant does. Yeah. But, um, and uh, that's, that's what kind of strikes me. You figure there'd be one person who would have a special thing where like, they're, they don't feel pain or they just have that. But how did you manage to get all these rather weird and dangerous skills? Well, I started just sort of kind of building the act um, many years ago. It all started about 30 years ago. I, uh, I was just a kid growing up in Southern California, which is enough of an explanation for a lot of people as to uh, why I do these twisted things. But it goes a little further than that. There was a magic shop in our neighborhood. Uh, I went in there and kind of got taken with magic. And then uh, I really wanted to see something real because magic is great, but it's all tricks. So I wanted to experience something authentic, something be without deception. 
and found it uh, when I saw my first sideshow when I was about 12 years old. And the guy swallowing the sword, the guy eating fire and things like that really captured my imagination. And it turned out one of our neighbors had worked in a sideshow. And when I found this out, I bugged the daylights out of him until he agreed to to teach me. And he said, you want to learn how to learn all the dangerous stuff? Okay, I can teach a kid. Just don't tell your parents. that cool. So... um, and you were how old? I was about 12 years old. 12, yeah. Uh, 12 years old, and, and every um, uh, Sunday evening would listen to uh, Dr. Demento on the radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, oh, big time, big time fan. Uh, so it's, it's an honor to share a program with someone who had the number one song on Dr. Demento. There you go. That's a grand and glorious thing also. Uh, anyway, so uh, as it worked out, to kind of answer your question, I loved it all. I not only loved all the, the skills and things, but also just loved the whole culture because it is the original counterculture. It is a nomadic life that these people have been traveling around. Um, and that's really what we, we put on the stage there. And I didn't really want to specialize. I wanted to learn it all. And as it worked out, I worked up about an hour, uh, a little over an hour of solo material that I've done in colleges and universities all over the place. And took that around, and from that, I started adding in the stories and some of the larger things, and adding a few more people to the show, and little by little, it evolved into the show that is Carnival Knowledge. The funny thing about it is, uh, I just wanted to be as good as I possibly could at these things, and studied with a number of old guys that taught me the, the various skills, and really worked very hard at all this. And one of the old showmen, who's a little bit of a shady character, they have them in show business, really. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, said to me, kid, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. And I go, what do you mean? So you learned all the skills. I said, well, yeah, I think it's important. He said, oh, it is important. So that when you have your own show and you're running and the sword swallower comes to you and wants more money, you say, what, for this? And you swallow the sword and say, anyone can do that. <laughs> well, I'm paying you too much, kid. You see, that's what you got to do. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you, Bobby. I, I appreciate the... Uh, so that's what he thought I was doing it for, but it was just, I just wanted to be sort of a one-man sideshow. Well, I am, I am curious. Are there things that you're either still studying how to do and may one do one day, or are there things that other sideshow people have done over the years that you looked at and it's like you tried it or you won't even go near it well there's there's a couple of skills that uh, there's an act that I don't do because I try to you know when you when you look on paper what we do in the show eating glass hammering a nail in the nose it's the last thing people want to see I mean let's be very honest the description you read that and you go and that's entertaining how and you really have to see the show to realize that it is an entertaining experience. Uh, I play against the gross-out element. We're not playing a rock and roll club. This is not, you know, CBGB's or some punk club that we're doing this in. So we're not going hardcore with it. We're trying to make it fun. Because the thing people forget, I, I'm getting to your head, so yeah, believe no, me, no, I know, go for it, go and I kind of no, come around the long way. No, but they were on tour with uh, Lollapalooza, like about yeah. five or ten. That, that was a big, yeah. probably a good I, boost for, for the there, whole There really thing. was. It introduced it to a whole new audience. That, that introduced, introduced it to the rock and roll audience. Before right. that time, w- if you wanted to see a sideshow, you would go to a circus, a carnival, or an amusement park. And people go, well, you know, kids shouldn't be seeing people eating glass and, and, and swallowing swords. And I go, well... For the last 150 years, it's been seen in circuses, carnivals, and amusement parks. And who goes to circuses, carnivals, and amusement parks but families? So it is family entertainment. Um, there are There is one act that I don't do. I have a friend who does it. And, and I, ironically, he was uh, with the troupe that you mentioned, Jim Rose, who was with uh, the Lollapalooza tour a number of years ago. And the, the man's name is Zamora, the Torture King. Oh, God. He... 
does things with his flesh and with skewers. Oh, I hate that. that. Uh, I can't deal with that. Uh, it is just a, it is truly amazing. It throws back to a whole uh, Eastern tradition. Um, the man called horse thing with the nipples. I mean, or, I mean it, it, it's it's Native American and it's also Indian and and uh, Southeast Asia and Chinese and they all have these these uh, ways of enduring pain to kind of prove their faith and their devotion. Uh-huh. And he's taken this tradition and it was it's been done in the sideshow for many many years. As a matter of fact, the blockhead act that I uh, do, which is the nail hammered in the nose, uh, was part of this whole fake here act. That uh, was done. Not, not fake, tor- by the way. No, F A K I R. Yeah, right. And it was, um, it was the Torture King act of of all that was in many many sideshows, and they would run skewers through their flesh and then they hammer a nail on their nose as showing that they were painproof. Well, it doesn't hurt to do that to hammer a nail into your nose. And there was a man named Melvin Burkhart who in 1929 took the, that one act and made it a standalone act, did about seven minutes with it, adding in jokes and making it very entertaining, and and just making it into a comedy act, as in addition to being just an amazing display. Well, um, I assume that nailing mm. the, the nail, or I, I saw another guy do a spike, it might have been Jim mm. Rose or, or someone else, into the nose. I mean, I assume that there is this... Or he even explained it while he was doing it. But there, there's a passage of air. It's, it's like yeah. an empty space into the towards the side of the nose near the septum. Does everybody have that? Yeah. Or is there people? No, no, no. It's, it's how you breathe. It goes right back in the top of the throat, and it goes straight back. And as I'm speaking, actually, uh, when I have it in, when I'm, I'm telling the jokes and stuff and getting people to laugh yeah. and de-traumatize the whole <laughs> experience of watching a man hammer a four and a half inch nail into his nose. Uh, as I talk, the vibration has a tendency to push the nail out a little bit. Um, out, back out. Yeah, yeah back okay. out. Yeah. So and and but you also get that balloon go. So is that coming from the throat or is it coming from? It's coming from the, the throat. It's coming from the throat. It goes back in the top of the throat, and then I just reach through. There's a a stunt that I am very proud to have originated uh, that uh, a number of people are doing these days, though they haven't asked permission. But that's another story uh, that involves uh, one of those long, thin balloons that people do animal balloons with. I blow it up so it's about two and a half inches of inflated at one end and feed the uninflated end in my nose, pull it out the mouth and squeeze it and it reinflates out the mouth, squeeze that and reinflates out the nose and it goes back and forth. It's it's a strange sight to behold. It's hysterically funny, by the way. That was the, the thing that had the audience most laughing because it's the grossest but it's cute gross. It is. It's just one of those just quirky, quirky things that you're glad someone thought it up and that you don't have to do it. Okay. One thing that you do, mm-hmm. light bulb. Yeah. It's not a trick. No. You take a light bulb. Yes. And you eat. You don't eat the metal part, but you no. eat all the glass off it. Yeah. Can you say what the skill is that you learn or how it is done? Well, nobody's going. Kids don't. Yeah, don't please. Yeah, please don't. Don't. The, the problem is. Unless, uh, unless your mom and dad have the video camera out and ready. Yeah, yeah and you want to make ten thousand bucks off of uh, you know uh, funniest home videos. Um, it. The, the way it works out is I learned how to eat glass from an old timer who did it for many, many years. He did an act that, depending upon where he was performing, was known as the, either the human ostrich cool. because people knew that ostriches would swallow anything okay. and or the human garbage disposal. And he would eat uh, cigarettes, uh, lit cigarettes, matches, razor blades because the old razor blades were made out of uh, very thin steel mm-hmm. and you could actually crunch them. 
um, like like a potato chip, for lack of a better yeah. term, and he would chew those up, and he would take a light bulb and break it and chew on the glass. And he taught me how to do this, and he used to do a joke in, in the act that uh, I tried doing for a while, but it just it didn't play. He used to love this joke, and, and uh, he would say... Uh, his name was Red, and he would say, well, when I learned how to do this act, I saw a guy do it, and I was just a teenager at the time, and I was with a girl that I was kind of had a fancy for, and she was standing there with me, we were on a date, watching the sideshow, and there's the guy, he's eating glass, he's, he's eating a, biting in a tin can and eating the metal, he's eating cigarettes, and I turned to her and said, that's pretty neat, isn't it? She said, that's nothing, a goat can do all that and give milk, too. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they'd give, give the bell. And, and he would laugh, and that was like one of the big jokes in his act. But anyway, the, the technique... Uh, is is legit. Uh, I really do eat the glass. I bite into a light bulb and chow down on broken glass, and there's a way of chewing it up and swallowing it so it doesn't cut up the mouth and throat. It's something you have to learn right. uh, so that you know, you're just not a bloody mess when you do this. But it has to be, it could be a champagne glass. Right? Yeah, it can be. Oh, it, it can be, yeah. Right, okay. any, any thin uh, glass. Um, th- I w- was doing a, a TV show in uh, Germany, uh, a talk show, that was very much like the Tonight Show, and the, the host would serve all of his guests either champagne or Perrier water in these lovely goblets, and I was the last one on. It was a wonderful show in that each guest, as he would have on, he had the Minister of Finance, um, the German Minister of Finance, talking about the economy. He had uh, some starlet who was on a soap opera. He had a couple of actors. He had some other personalities, and he'd end all of his his uh, little talks with him, the, the little segments going, well, that's very interesting. Now, what do you think of a man who's going to hammer a nail into his nose and eat glass? What do you think of it? And they'd <laughs> kind of comment on it, and then he'd go to commercial. So it was a way of teasing him. He got to me, and I think they thought it was fake. I have a feeling they thought it was fake, because I'm doing the bit, and I'm going to hammer the nail in my nose. I said, but first, I haven't had any dinner. Bring out the light bulb, bite in the light bulb, and chew down, chow down. He said, would you like some water? I said, yes. He pours the water, hands me the, the glass, and I realize it's crystal and thin. So I finish the glass and then I look at I finish the, the light bulb yeah. and then I look at the glass and I start biting into it and I still had a little bit about a quarter left of the water so I'd bite in on one side and turn around and drink with the other side and then bite the other side and did, and you could hear in the headsets of the, the, the crew that they, the, they were laughing like crazy <laughs> and screaming in the, uh, in the booth and finished the thing and it just floored him because he had no idea I was going to do this right. no one did and when I walked off stage, he, he, at the end of it, he said, this is great, this is great, oh, this is going to get us great ratings, oh, this is wonderful. And I walked off stage, and there was this guy standing there named Gustav, who looked at me, and he had the saddest look on his face, and he said, you, you ate my glass. <laughs> and he was the prop, property manager, and I went, he was the one responsible for all the props and things, and he was, you ate, you ate my glass. And I said, well, yes, yes, I did. He said, they're Cartier Crystal, they're $250 each only sold in a sets of six. Oh, dear. I said, well, it was very tasty. Did you bring it back up for him? Or <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I kind of left that, left that aside. That, speaking of the, of the acts, uh, that, uh, the human pin cushion is an act I don't do. And another act I don't oh, do, yeah. and it's the greatest act in show business. It's a man named Stevie Starr from England. He's the world's only professional regurgitator. Oh, gosh. He can swallow pool balls, cough them back up. He does a thing on stage where he'll swallow people's um, rings. He'll get about a half a dozen people up on stage, swallow their rings, and says, who, who wants to be first? You, okay? And coughs up that ring. 
Oh. He can cough. He can take a, a roll and he's, of... And he's not keeping it in the no, side of his mouth. No, he he's swallowing. swallowing. He uh, does a thing. Uh, he Recently, he's been doing a thing where he takes a live bumblebee, swallows it, smokes a cigarette, does a few other things, and then coughs the bee up live, and it flies out. Oh. I mean, it's just amazing. He does uh, one thing where he takes uh, sweet and low and swallows it, a little about... about about a tablespoon of sweet and low. Uh. And then he drinks several glasses of water and talks a little bit and then coughs up the sweet and low dry. It is just an amazing act. It's like a act. cow with an extra stomach. I know. I know. It, <laughs> it's just the greatest act. And he comes over here. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's coming over, I think, next week. He'll be here for a couple of weeks and uh, travels all around the country doing colleges and universities. And... Uh, Occasionally gets to New York, but he was making so much money because he's the only guy in the world that does this. Right. <laughs> so he and he's just the, my, one of my favorite acts, Stevie Star. Wow. Um, I've literally a list of about twenty questions here, and and I can only ask one or two more because because I yammer to, on. I no, just, it's been uh, great. It's been, oh been wonderful. Um. Oh gosh. All right. The one I really want to ask. Sure. And it's a person, almost a personal. Sure. Thing, but years ago, I wrote a play. Mm-hmm. Um, based on what I was told was a character from the really old sort of Todd Browning era mm-hmm. freak shows mm-hmm. na- of a character of a person I guess named Basket Eddie does this name ring any kind of a bell to yeah, you? yeah vaguely vaguely Basket Eddie apparently he was quadriplegic mm-hmm. or maybe just like the trunk guy almost in, in uh, like, Todd Browning's like, freak like Johnny Act who had no lower half right and he being this like sort of woven basket and now, one version I heard was that they would just put a microphone or, or whatever, a megaphone in the basket and he'd scream and curse and be unintelligible. Another would be that he would actually have an act, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, spoken mm-hmm. and, and comic and that kind of thing. Yeah, it it sounds very much like um, like the act that w- was done. Uh, a couple of people did this act. Um, one was Prince Randian, who had no arms and legs and would roll a cigarette his act was he would roll a cigarette and light it and smoke it. And uh, there was another guy named uh, Otis Jordan who had ossified arms and legs that were of no use to him. And he would also roll a cigarette. He would take cigarette paper out. He would put um, tobacco on it. He'd roll it into a cigarette. He would light it with a kitchen match. And then he would tongue the cigarette and, and pretend to swallow it and cough up smoke and sparks and bring it back up again. And it was this great act. Yeah. And he did, not, he did all that without the use of his hands. He just used his mouth. And it was just a phenomenal act. Um, and he worked out in Coney Island. Um, he died back in like 91, 92. Uh, and he worked out in Coney Island for, for many years. And so it sounds like the Basket Eddie vaguely sounds familiar. I mean, there was the problem is, this is something that's also very important that I like to stress, is that at one time there were over 100, maybe 200 sideshows around the country. Every circus, every carnival, every amusement park had at least one. Right. Uh, Some place like Coney Island had a dozen working at the same time. And now we're down to two. Now, uh, that, I, I did want to ask you about yeah. that. That's in America. Are there... You didn't mention in the show if there's maybe all around the world. No, like that's, that's about it. I mean, like that's that. about it. I mean, you have occasionally some little things pop up here and there. But in terms of permanent sideshow companies, occasionally what you'll see is what's known as a single O, which will be uh, the world's smallest woman. Just a single One act, or single, the world's yeah. largest pig, or the snake girl. Same, same person. Yeah, it oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <you, laughs> And uh, and yeah. and uh, so as it works out, 
I mean, those things are called sideshows, but they're not really. I'm talking about a ten-in-one sideshow where you have fire-eating, sword-swallowing, and, you know, a little person, a giant, and things like that. And there's only two. There's our show out in Coney Island, and then there's Ward Hall and, and his partner, C.M. Chris, World of Wonders show, which was just out here in Nassau, as a matter of fact, uh, oh, wow. uh, earlier this summer. And it, this looks like it's going to be the last season on the road because Ward is going to be 74 on his next birthday, and he's going to retire. He's been on the road for 60 years, and that's long enough. Is it, but is there anybody in his company that is training to... No. 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 The, the problem is, and this gets into a whole other discussion, people think that because of politically correctness uh, that you, you can't do these things. The reality is it's just all the room on the midway has been taken up by rides. So if you want to see the sideshow experience, you've got to come to the Soho Playhouse and, and see Carnival Knowledge. And kids can come. I mean, oh, do you yes. do a different show like early evening no, and later we, on? It's we, basically we try to keep it very family-friendly because we get kids uh, in, on all of our shows. So we try to make it as, as family-friendly. And yet there's a few things we do for, you know, for the adults to keep them. Right. Uh, but it's, it's just there's something for everyone. The great thing is the older people that are coming, it's a real nostalgia trip because they remember seeing sideshows in places like Coney Island for the kids they've never seen anyone do this stuff it is like the Ripley's uh, show live on stage and uh, it's great so I encourage everyone to call Telecharge it is pretty neat 212 239-6200 for tickets and also please folks um, I didn't get to mention this before I don't think but if you want to find out more about Todd Robbins himself and the show and the history of sideshows and all that go to his website www.toddrobbins.com two mm-hmm. D's two B's mm-hmm. toddrobbins.com but again, see the show. It's an open run, right? It's yes, it is. Indefinitely. Yes, it is. Um, what, it's seven shows a week or something like uh, that? No, right now we're doing five shows. We're, expand, uh, we're expanding the, the schedule, but right now we're doing Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday, and a Sunday matinee. At the Soho Playhouse on Van Damme. It's pretty easy to get to by sure. train. It's like a one block from Spring Street, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. So, folks... Light bulbs chewing, yeah, balloons going in and out of things. It's like and nothing else girl. ever is going to see. It's wild, wonderful, and one of a kind. You've got to see it to believe it, and even then you might not be too sure about carnival knowledge. And, well, I'm very sure that I'm very happy to have well, Todd you. Robbins on the Dave's Gone By show. Thank you so much for My stopping pleasure. by. Best of luck. Thank you. Time for the news gone by. A, a look at events of the past week from an outside side. Well, we start with Hillary Clinton making the news gone by for the second week in a row, both times with a book. Last week it was the cookbook she co-authored, so to speak, with her husband. This week it's her best-selling autobiography, which is being recalled in China. Not by the Chinese leaders, but by Simon & Schuster, who say that the distributor over there bolderized about ten pages of text for the foreign language version. Nothing to do with Hillary's love life or Bill's extramarital pipe cleaning, no. It was stuff about Hillary's views on Chinese culture and government. Simon Schuster demanded that China restore the missing and sometimes reworded pages or pull the book altogether. Readers of the Chinese version say that it's really just the same as the American, only you read a chapter and an hour later you have to read it all over again. In Israel, readers are enjoying the Hebrew version, in which Bill Clinton starts as an impeached United States president, moves on to become a lawyer and then a Rhodes Scholar, and continues his way through the world until, at the end, he's a little baby growing up in Arkansas. Now, the most popular chapter is almost Vonnegut-like, as a wad of sperm flies off of an intern's dress and back into the president's penis. In financial news, the New York Stock Exchange picked a new chairman this week, an interim chairman taking over for the ousted Richard Grosso. 
Now, Grasso routinely collected a six- or seven-figure annual salary with bonuses, but the chits hit the fan when, last year, he received a pay package of $140 million. Outcry, 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 and suddenly he was the black sheep of the financial world. Now, if this were four years ago, with stocks trading at 12000 nobody blink an eye. Or if it were in the 1980s, the Trump era, he'd be hailed as a model of capitalism at its finest. Build it big, and get the big payout you deserve. But... Because Grasso presided over the Bush downswing, everybody gasps and says, Hey, why is Grasso making millions and our 401ks are turning into pocket change? Still, the rage isn't real here. It's just the typical and understandable, everyone hates the rich. We hate them simply for being rich. Points up the basic unfairness of the universe. Even if they came up from nothing, Grasso started as a clerk. There's no longer that Horatio Alger American dream of anyone can be on top of the world if they apply themselves. Now it's just, I don't care if he worked his ass off. I work hard too. He has money. I don't. Die, rich man, die. Which is not logical or rational, but there you are. I mean, I've had a couple of full-time jobs, a couple of 9 to 5, 10 to 6 wastes of a couple of years. If my boss or his board of directors suddenly stopped by my desk and said, wow, you're really doing a great job. Here's $80 million. See you on Monday. Honestly, am I supposed to turn that down? Am I supposed to say, you know, advertising has been weak for the past two quarters. Maybe I better hang on to 30 or $40 million for a rainy day. No. 30 seconds, I'm on my way to Citibank. 40 seconds, I'm booking a flight to Maui. But you know what? I would come back on Monday for more. And all these people screaming for Grasso's head? My guess is they do the very same thing. Human rights activists are closely watching Nigeria. That's where a Muslim court has sentenced a woman to be stoned to death because she had a baby out of wedlock. Just shows you the difference between their country and ours. In America, young women first get stoned and then fool around. But seriously, critics of the punishment for this poor, illiterate woman aren't so much bothered by the brutality of stoning or that killing someone for adultery in uh, 2003 is like throwing someone off an airplane for picking their nose. No, they're angry because of the sexist iniquity in Muslim law. Husbands can cheat almost with impunity, while wives and divorcees have to close their legs tighter than a camel's butt in a sandstorm. The only thing making it easy for Muslim women to say no is, well, take a look at Muslim men, Now, here's a story Todd Robbins would appreciate. Two German men were convicted of staging a chainsaw accident. One man cut off the other guy's thumb and forefinger, both guys hoping to split the insurance money. Said the judge, quote, One man held onto a cutting board, and the other sawed his fingers off. They then threw the fingers away in a garden and claimed money from two different insurance companies. Now, although the maiming was absolutely real because it was done intentionally. It was fraud, and cops found out about it from an anonymous tip. Apparently, one of the men was going around the neighborhood talking about it. In fact, one of the phrases a neighbor heard the man say allegedly was, Ow! Ow, my hand! Ow, my hand! Sad news in the food world. Bernard Manischewitz, grandson of Rabbi Dov Bear Manischewitz, died last Saturday after a short illness. 
Grandpa founded the famous kosher food and wine company in 1888. Bernard was the last family descendant to run it before selling the outfit to private investors in 1991. Bernard's funeral service was short and sweet, a little too sweet for my taste. In local news, congratulations to James Dermody, a 45-year employee of the Long Island Railroad, who last week became its new president. Dermody was the chief transportation officer and then acting president, but now the promotion puts him on top. Asked how he felt about the step-up, Dermody said, "I don't have to pay the step-up fare, do I?" No, Mr. Dermody, but you do have to lead the LIRR through a tough time, including building new yards and upgrading entire lines, plus dealing with a major drop in ridership that just happened to coincide with a major jump in prices. Go figure. The MTA is making exactly the same amount of money it was two years ago, only they're stealing bigger chunks from fewer pockets. All I can do is spit their own advice right back at them. Watch the gap because it's growing. Well, it's the Long Island story that won't go away. The Mepham High School football team and allegations of terrible hazings during training camp—not just kids running around naked and flashing the girls' gym or eating a handful of live goldfish. No, this time, three junior varsity players were sodomized by their teammates who used such objects as broomsticks, golf balls, and pine cones. I didn't know about the last two until this week, and I only heard about the broomsticks. But apparently, the bullies were more creative than that: golf balls and pine cones. I mean, how's that for a new twist on the Louima treatment? You get the feeling some father went to play golf the next weekend, reached into his carry-on bag, and said, "Hey, why is there chocolate pudding all over my Titleists?" No, but, but seriously, this Mepham scandal just keeps getting uglier and uglier. This week, it was revealed that five years ago. There was another sexual assault on the football team, leading to a lawsuit, but it was settled out of court. Different players, same coach. Now the three players allegedly responsible for this incident were suspended and may face criminal charges. The entire Mepham Pirates football season was canceled, and rumor has it the team's mascot is going to be changed from a swashbuckling pirate to a hungry gerbil <laughs> covered with crap. Even the team's playbook is going to change to a more conservative style. In other words, players are no longer allowed to push the limits of their end zone. And the Mepham Pirates have even got a new fight song, more in keeping with their current status. I happen to have a copy of the lyrics. I'll, I'll sing it for you. <clears throat> I know it's not the same as hearing the Pep Squad do it, or <laughs> in their case, the Poop Squad. But for the sake of the song, just make believe. I'm a busty little Belmore cheerleader, hopped up on ecstasy in RU486. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, do you wanna be a football hero? Do you wanna do your very best? If you wanna be a Mepham pirate, then you're gonna have to pass the test. Let the older boys pull your pants down and give your cheeks a tug, 'cause we'll take a broom and make some room till it fits all nice and snug. Do you wanna be one of the cool guys? Do you wanna get the hottest chicks? All we're asking you to do, boy, is to squat on a couple of sticks. Don't you tell and yell for mama, and you better not scream and whine when we put 
a dozen golf balls where the sun will never shine. Do you want to be a Mepham pirate? Do you want to show the world you're strong? Do you want to be branded a sissy? Then shut up and play along. It's just a couple of pine cones. No need to call a cop. Cause it's all for one and one for all. And the bleeding's bound to stop. Oh yes, the bleeding's bound to stop. Big finish. The bleeding's bound to stop. Rah, rah, sis, boom, bangus. Who's the team with a ruptured anus? Mephem, mephem, go mephem. Speaking of things getting stuck, bad news for Edward Mills of Garfield, New Jersey. Mr. Mills, 29 years old and weighing 375 pounds, was found dead last week, lodged partway through the bathroom window of his first floor apartment. He'd been locked out of his apartment, tried to come in, through the proverbial bathroom window, and apparently suffocated when he got stuck. Rumor has it, Mr. Mills' last words were, You know, this is a lesson I really should flush every time. Finally, call it Captain Nemo's Revenge. Spanish naval ships studying the ocean floor accidentally killed four giant squids off the coast of Spain last week. Apparently, the squids, one of them the length of a city bus, died because of shock waves and changes in pressure around the boats. Foul play is not suspected, although a few eyebrows will be raised when the good ship Paella returns to port. And that's the news gone by for September 29, 2003. Please send your comments, opinions, and pine cones to Dave's Gone By, P.O. Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062. That's the address for all snail mail to the program. Love headers, uh, bleh, love headers, love letters, hate mail, checks and balances, Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062. We reserve the right to read your letters on the air, name withheld upon request. Now, if you try to listen to the show on the internet and it doesn't come through, let us know. If you come across a news story you think would be great for the news gone by, let us know. And if you're sleeping with a radio program director whom you think you would enjoy this program, you've got to raise your standards. So please keep in touch. Dave's gone by at AOL.com. You can also leave a message at 516-295-1511 or check our website, hometown.aol.com forward slash Dave's Gone By for more information. So many ways for your voice to be heard. Telephone, internet, snail mail. I look forward to getting your stuff, but please, no severed thumbs. I already have enough people giving me the finger. Back after this. You turn on the radio, you flip the switch, think you're going to hear a good song. But what you hear sounds just like this. Hey buddy, were you wrong? Cause it's... I love you, you love me. Love, 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 Pop song, top 40. Well, just two chords, and sometimes the singer gets off key. But everyone buys it anyhow. Ain't that strange indeed? Cause it's I love you, you love me. Love, 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 love. Hey, did I say love? 
Schlosser giving us a lot of love, 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 and a very top 40 radio style. That was from his album, Vote For Me, It's a Joke. Um, that's the title of the album, and it's also the title of a song that Art will be playing for us in just a little bit. We have him on the phone, but I want to talk about him a little bit first and play another song of his uh, before we, we get to talking to him. This is the song, if you've heard of him at all outside, like, Wisconsin, this may be the song you have heard if you listen uh, to Dr. Demento, who we name-checked early in the show. Um, Art Paul is a, well, how, how shall I put this? He's basically a street singer. Sings dozens of songs on the street corner for money, and um, he also does some artwork as well, but we'll talk about that later. And he came up with a song, and when he wrote it, it's literally on the song itself, he says, this is my new number one hit. Before he realized, I guess, or, or maybe he was prescient, and, and realized that it would be, because on the Dr. Demento show, it became number one. And for, and for many weeks, it was both the most requested song and the song people most requested he would never, ever play again. And yet somehow the people who wanted to hear it, who desperately wanted to hear it, won out over the others. And it's also a popular song on uh, some children's radio shows and things like that. Anyway, it's called... Oh, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be talking to the man who wrote and sings this song, and this is off his best of disc, Have a Peanut Butter Sandwich. Here's my new number one hit. Have a peanut butter sandwich. 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 Are you depressed? Have a peanut butter sandwich. Are you bored? Have a peanut butter sandwich, have some milk, have a peanut butter sandwich, have some Kool-Aid, have a peanut butter sandwich, do you like white bread, do you like wheat bread, do you like rye bread, 
Have a peanut butter sandwich. 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 Have some cake. Have some ice cream. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Why are you worried about your weight? Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Elvis liked his with bananas. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have another peanut butter sandwich. Have another peanut butter sandwich. Have another peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have another peanut butter sandwich. Everybody sing with me. Have a peanut butter sandwich. I can't hear you. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Wear it on your head. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Stick it in your nose. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have your mom over for dinner. Have peanut butter sandwiches. Have peanut butter sandwiches. Invite all your friends over to watch the game. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Everybody now, I can't hear you. Have a peanut butter sandwich. 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 Oh, is that is that incredible? You know what? I, I want to play that again. Yes, ever no, no, I'm just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Art Paul Schlosser from his best of Art Paul Schlosser disc, Have a Peanut Butter Sandwich. I think one of the most joyous and wonderful weird songs in ages that I've heard, and that's why I'm so thrilled to have him on the phone all the way from Wisconsin. Art Paul, can you hear me? Yeah. Art, right, was it great hearing your stuff on the radio? Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Dave's gone by on this this wonderful, uh, this, this terrific episode. Even I'm thrilled about it. It's, 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 first of all, do I call you Art or Art Paul? Um, whatever you want to call me, just don't call me late for dinner. Oh, wait, I've got to get the comedy bell for that. Here we go. Comedy bell. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so, I described you as a street singer and artist. Is that is that a fitting appellation? And, and tell me how that all started, and are you still, now that you have CDs out and some recognition, do you still play on the street? Oh, yeah, I definitely, uh, right here down, uh, you know, on State Street in Madison, Wisconsin, they have like a little mall area, mm-hmm. and uh, I go down there, and uh, I start uh, screaming, and some people, do, they love it. Other people wonder, what the heck is that guy doing? And Well, I don't actually scream, but, you know, it's kind of, uh, I just think funny things. I have this one bit where I start waving my arms in the air and say I'm flying. Yeah, and, and that, well, that will attract attention. Well, yeah, I, basically, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm a comedian, but uh, more like a clown, maybe. I don't know, but I don't wear makeup. We've written some serious songs, I think. I mean, there, there aren't many, I, I admit, on, on your, the two CDs that I have of yours, but have you written serious material? Oh, yeah, I write some serious material. I write a really good one on the vote for me. It's a joke. It's called Be My Friend. Mm-hmm. And I have also wrote a song called I Hate War. Aha. Uh-huh. 
And but even when I read a serious one, it sounds a little bit like I'm silly. Well, can I ask, when did you... A, when did you start writing songs, and then when did you have the gumption to literally go out with your guitar, with your kazoo, on the street, and say, okay, people, I'm going to play these for you. Here I am. Well, actually, it started... I've been uh, playing guitar since high school, and actually I started writing lyrics. And then I had a band, but it didn't quite work. And I knew that I needed to be the songwriter, too, because otherwise they would choose what songs they would want. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do all my songs. So uh, I learned how to play guitar. And then for many years, I worked as a janitor. And then one day, the place I was a, a janitor at closed, and I needed a job. Mm-hmm. So I went to MATC. I was going to go to college. And then in the summer, it closed, and um, I had to raise money, or I had to figure something out. And there, this guy had been playing on the street this guy named Alan Hill, and he, mm-hmm. people would come around just to hear him do um, uh, James Taylor. And I was thinking, if he could do that, why couldn't I just stand out there and play and sing? And that's what I did. I just started uh, going down there and playing and singing. And at first, people freaked out, why are you doing this? Uh-huh. You know, and did, did you get hassled by anybody, by cops or anything like that? Uh, the cops didn't mind it, but some people were really kind of offended when I didn't sound like James Taylor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, I would write these funny songs, and then someone would stop to uh, they'd hear about the funny song, and then they'd stop to hear it, and then there'd be like five or ten people standing around just to hear my cat or purple bananas. At first, those were the first ones. And after a while, other ones, too. And, oh, it was, it was really quite fun because um, you never know what you might get in your case or you never know what might happen to you while you're doing it. <laughs> well, what, what are some of the really odd or weird experiences that have happened to you when outside playing for people? Well, um... um I had some weird experiences. Uh, one case, uh, a girl gave me a little cow eraser, oh. and I was so excited. I took it home, and the next day, the 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 same little girl, she's like maybe, uh, you know, sometimes there's like teenagers down there, said, "Can I have my cow back?" Oh, did you give it to her the next <laughs> yeah, day, or? What? Did you give it to her the next day, or... Um... Uh, <laughs> I didn't see her again. Aww. I told her that day that I didn't bring it with me, and uh, then I never saw her again. <laughs> um, then I had, one time I had an experience uh, where um, uh, there was, like, some people crowding around, and I was going to play the song called I Hate Doing Dishes, yeah. and I broke a string. And then they were about to walk, but there was this guy with a guitar. And I said, do you have a string? And he said, yeah. Are you Art Paul? Cool. Because uh, I've been looking for Art Paul. Because I heard you got some music that I would love to hear. So uh, he gave me a string. I tuned the guitar. 
he bought six of my cassette tapes, and then I played I Hate Doing Dishes, and the people that were going to walk applauded me. Well, sure. Was was that the great Luke Ski, um, the, the, that guy, or was that just some fellow who happened to love your music and, and just you never saw him again? Uh, that was Ski just some guy from Minnesota that loved my, my music, and I never saw him again. But one day I did see the great Luke Ski, uh, which was, uh, I was uh, surprised that he knew who I was, and he said he had heard my music on Dr. Demento, and that he loved uh, uh, peanut butter sandwich, and that he wanted to buy all my uh, uh, CDs, and he bought all seven CDs. I can't blame him. I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff that you do. Um, before we get back to one of the CDs, do you have a song maybe that you want to sing for? I, I know you want to do Vote For Me, but we'll, maybe we'll save that one towards the end of the segment. Um, any any other songs that you, you kind of want to do for us live? on? I'd on like to try this one out live. Go for it. What I don't want to give out the title. I'm going to try it on this uh, phone. Uh, we had to switch phones, so if this one's not as loud, let me know. Okie dokie. Art Hi. Paul Schlosser. Oh boy, I can barely hear you. Can you um, keep talking? Maybe Joe can. Well, hold on. Here we go. Actually, it was like three songs. Three songs in one. I know, because I have the CD, and those three very short songs are on the CD. Song, shortest song I ever wrote. This one's even shorter, and the last song, One Note. Three songs in like a minute. That's, that's, that's pretty terrific. Um, well, I think sometimes songs should be short. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, the, was it They Might Be Giants did a, a, an entire album of one-minute songs, and there were about 60 of them on one disc? Something like that. Oh, i got to beat that bre- record. <laughs> What's the was it a CD? Yeah, I noticed they did a CD, or maybe, yeah, they did. My engineer's nodding. That's what they did. It was Every song was one minute or 50 seconds. Because you could seconds. do 76 of them. Well, yeah, now you can. That's, that's uh, absolutely. It's a very cool idea. Now, you are also not just a singer-songwriter, but an artist? How did uh, that yeah, come? I do uh, paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I, you, I do watercolor, ac- acrylic. And, and drawings with pencils, but um, mostly oil paintings. Really? Um, do you, is there a place where people can look at those? Yeah, on, if I yeah. said it was really long, I tell you, I want to really promote the email. Okay. If people want to see my artwork or know more about my music, mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I'm a prince at yahoo.com. I'm a prince, no apostrophe there, I am... A Prince. Yeah, it's actually I M A, those three letters, mm-hmm. and then Prince 2001. I forgot. Ooh, sorry, I'm and a Prince 2001. And you have to update that name. Um, yeah. At Yahoo.com. I thought that would be easier to remember. The other one is Art Paul at MailCity. But these are just your email, and as people can send you a an email or a note, and then you'll you'll point them to your websites. Or or they could go to Gem, or or CD Baby, 
mm-hmm. and type up my name, Art Paul Slosher, on the search engine, mm-hmm. and music will come up. That's, and by the way, it's Art Paul, S-C-H-L-O-S-S-E-R, Schlosser, um, in case you're looking for his name. If you, if you Google it, also you get a couple of good, really good websites. All oh, there. yeah, uh, search engines are great. Now, now you stinted, though, on me. I mean, you played three really, really short live songs there. You've got to play another, another live song for me here. You've got to play something at least a minute long here. Can I do Vote for You? Oh, of course we'll do that. Let's do Art Paul's election song. Now, what made you, that one popped into your head well before campaign time. What made you think of it? Well, I actually wrote it back in 96. Oh, okay. Um, I came out with the record. At the time, people were uh, uh, doing some records, and, you know, uh, records had gone out for a while, but all of a sudden, records had come back, and so I put out a record and a cassette tape, mm-hmm. and then I thought, by now, I should come out with a CD. So I came out with a CD. And that what was the name of that one? That was... Um it, uh, the record and the cassette tape that came out in 96 were both called Vote For Me, It's a Joke. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was back from then. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, it took me a while to send one to Dr. Demento because uh, you have to have an election year, and right. I didn't know that it would be a great idea for Dr. Demento. I just thought um, I'd put out the record, and I, I had actually sold... Um, uh, Quite a few records, like 300. Oh my gosh! All for, do you think they were all from Wisconsin, or was it mail order, or? Uh, mostly people just came up to me and they heard about punk rock in the White House, right. which uh, they're punkers, and then they bought the record. Cool, cool. Yeah, because it, it's kind of hard. If we have time, I'll do that one too. But I'll do vote for me. It's a joke yeah, first. This is going to be this is the election year song. No matter whether Democrat or Republican or whether that idiot Nader runs again, whoever it is, this is the song for them. Art Paul Schlosser on Dave's Gone By giving us a live telephone version of "Vote for Me." It's a joke. Okay, ready? Yeah. Vote for me. It's a joke. Hey, I have an idea. This says normal. If I put it on louder, mm-hmm. does that help you? Um, yeah, louder is better. Believe me. And Can you hear me louder? Joe riding the game on the uh, on the control board to make it loud too. So go for it. Okay. Vote for me. It's a joke. I would rather be the Pope if I gotta. I'll drink Coke. I need a job. I'm really broke. Vote for me, it's a joke. Yeah, I'll take a bath, I use real soap. Comb my hair, kinda nice. Hey, so what if I've Get got life? Um, um, elected president. Yeah, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna sit around and collect the money. Invite my friends over to play poker and tell jokes that are funny. Yeah, vote for me, it's a joke. I don't care if you smoke, I don't care if you choke. Just before you die, make sure you vote. 
book for me. It's a joke. Yeah, famous people, I misquote. Tell you that it's all true. Book for me. Be a fool. What button did I push? What do you think? What button did he push indeed? That was Art Paul Schlosser. Vote for me. It's a joke. And, and I, I just want to say, if yeah. they want to, they can write my name in for president. How old are you? I'm 43. Oh, you're old enough. Okay, you were born in this country. You were born in, in Wisconsin, right? Yep. Actually, um, I was born in Chicago. Oh, cool. When did you move to... Uh, is it Madison, or where are you? Where do you live, actually? I live in Madison, Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. when I was 11, um, actually, when I was 10, there was, like, a divorce, and my mom wanted to be near her brother, so she moved up to Madison. Cool. Um, let me ask you. I heard, when I called you before to, to uh, make sure everything was set up for tonight, I heard a baby. Do you... I have a baby. Mit Mazel, Mit Mazel. How long have you been married and and all that? You got the picture on your best of CD. Oh, that's your baby. What's his name? Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Cool. And and if they go to my CD Baby website Mm -hmm. and they they, uh, find uh, my CDs, the best of CD is at, at CD Baby. If they go uh, cdbaby.com slash artpaul4, mm-hmm. they'll get the best of and there will be Simon and me as snowmen. Oh, it's, it's a really cute picture. It really is. Um, <laughs> Art Paul, I want to thank you so much. We're going to play you out with, with uh, one more song um, off a CD that I think explains your appeal and also a bit of who you are. But I want you to just remind folks, again, how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out about your, your music and your stuff. Can I say one other thing? Please. I hope that whoever, um, I don't know who's going to be the next president, but whatever happens, that people would remember to love, whether they disagree or not, that they would remember to love. I mean, love seriously, not as a joke. Okay. That's that's pretty neat. Actually, I did want to ask you about that. You are a Christian person. And yet your, your music isn't per, per se Christian. I mean, do, do you have that dichotomy of being a, a real um, folk performer and street performer, and yet also I do some gospel songs, mm-hmm. but I, um, I found that for me, I've got an anger problem. For what? me to uh, promote the gospel with tracks and tell you my, my story and everything gets me all angry because people come up to me and they start to argue and then I blow up. But I find that humor helps me uh, stay polite and, and, and I find that with humor I can make someone laugh and if they really want to know about Jesus, I can tell them that Jesus helps me joke. I don't joke about everything. I'm not... Not like um, me. Yeah, I'm not, you know, swearing. I'm not, not perfect. I didn't say I was perfect neither. Uh, I know some people say Christians should be perfect, but I believe they're forgiven. I think everybody should be 
perfect, but nobody is. Well, I would have to say that you've been pretty perfect on our show today. So, Art Paul Schlosser, thank you very, very much for your music. Thank you so much for being on Dave's Gone By, folks. Um, the, have the, fun. And, and fun. I was, I'm, I'm glad you had fun. What are your email addresses again, real quick? Art Paul. Oh, no, I'll do the... I'm a, I'm a prince, 2001, at yahoo.com. That's the one. That's I'm a prince, 2001, at yahoo.com. Art Paul Schlosser, thank you so much. Have fun. Maybe you think I'm weird, but you haven't seen yourself in the mirror. Maybe you think I'm strange, but you haven't seen what you look like these days. And if shoe fits, wear it. If shoe fits, wear it. If think it's true, and it might be too. If shoe fits, wear it. Just cause I'm dressed like you, don't mean that I'm uncool. Just cause I don't dress like you, hey, maybe you're the fool. If shoe fits, wear it. If shoe fits, wear it. If think it's true, and might be too. If shoe fits, wear it. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By on this incredible, wonderful show called Band of Outsiders. We've had Todd Robbins, we've had um, Art Paul Schlosser on the phone, wonderful stuff. And now um, we're going to say goodbye to a couple of great outsiders who passed uh, over the last couple of months. The first one being Wesley Willis, um, another street singer slash also a, a creative artist, a drawer. Maybe they go together. Wesley, as I mentioned at the top of the show, was an obese, schizophrenic, uh, probably somewhat retarded uh, black man who basically liked to ride the bus back and forth all over town. And he wrote hundreds of songs. And if you wonder how he could do that, um, well, here's one of them. This will kind of tell you how. Wait. Once upon a time, a band of termites crawled under the wood of my log cabin. They stuck their teeth on the dry wood and ate up my stool. Plus they ate my wooden chair up. The termites ate my house 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 up. The termites crawled in the dirt. They ran faster than a racing car. They were sticking their sharp teeth into the wooden floor of my house. The termites ate my house up. 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 Wesley Willis 
The Termites Ate My House Up, in case you hadn't guessed the title already. And that's kind of how he constructed a song. You basically have uh, a verse, and then that chorus of one line repeated over and over, then another verse, and the chorus repeated over and over, and then a rather long and kind of not very interesting solo of just the riff playing over like this. And then he'll come back with another verse, and then the chorus repeated over and over and over, end the verse, and then his very famous at this point, uh, last words, rock over London, rock on Chicago, and then apropos of absolutely nothing, a commercial statement of some sort. It's rather bizarre, but it was uniquely Wesley. Yo, Ducky shot my house up. He shot it up to get rid of the termites. He then shot at me with his baby gun. Building excitement there on Dave's Gone by the late Wesley Willis. And he wrote a couple of very specific types of songs. Some about his personal life, some about what he kind of fictionalized his personal life to be. He also had a whole string of songs where he'd go see a rock band in concert, he'd have a great time, and then he'd just write a song about having a great time at the concert. For, or, here, here's, here's a song that kind of does that sort of thing for another All late right, performer. Kurt Cobain was a rock singer for Nirvana. He rocked the United States by flying all over the country and playing that rock and roll. Here's a good singer. Here's my rock star. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Nirvana's 1991 Nevermind album, which has sold more than 10 million copies. Turned Kirk Cobain into a spokesman for his generation. It is a matter with which he was never comfortable. He can really rock like a magic kid. He can really play that rock and roll. Kirk Cobain, Kirk Cobain, Kirk Cobain, Kirk Cobain. Well, you get the idea. That was the late, not great, but certainly unique and and. Okay, great in his own way, Wesley Willis. And then someone I, I like even more, the more unique, the more weird, Shuby Taylor, William Shuby Taylor, who uh, apparently passed back in June, and nobody even knew about it. He died in a nursing home out in New Jersey. Uh, the, the wonderful part of his story was that he basically had one little audio tape that had him scatting over either over pre-recorded music or... Um, to a little organ accompaniment. And this got passed from hand to hand from people hearing it and going, oh my God, you've got to hear this guy. You, you won't believe this guy. And somehow it made it to um, WFMU radio, and maybe had been playing it for years, assuming that this guy was lost forever, that he was dead, that nobody even knew who he was, and stories began to circulate um, about that he was just an office worker and that he passed away in 1989. But none of that 
was true, a real fan, went through all the William Taylors in New Jersey and tracked him down. He was an older man in his 70s at this point, discovered him, went to his apartment, rescued many, many more tapes that he had done that I think they're going through now and cleaning up and putting on uh, DVD and stuff. And they also brought him to that radio station for an amazing interview. And it would turn out to be his last one, because he did pass in June. But uh, if you've never heard Shuby Taylor scat, well, you're in for a treat. We don't saw people, little bit, it's a little to be me. We don't saw the hearts of the rocks of the heart. We don't saw how the shot, rock and fall, little bit, shot, little bit. We should be splashed, shovel a rock, little bit, and destroy, shovel a rock, we will be fast, little bit, and destroy, little bit, and love, and little William Shuby Taylor, um, still, he hasn't released a disc. I'm sure the FMU people will, uh, will do it. There's one song of his on um, a CD that called Songs in the Key of Z, but here's one that's not on that disc. You're nobody till somebody loves you with Shuby singing along. The human horn now blowing it alongside Satchmo and Miles and the Angel Gabriel. One of our many members of the Band of Outsiders this week on Dave's Gone By, Wesley Willis, Shuby Taylor, Herb Gardner died, I didn't even get to mention him, um, Donald O'Connor, the comic relief best friend in Singing in the Rain. He was kind of an outcast when talking to a mule in those Francis movies. And again, we can toast those who have left us Let's also appreciate the wonderful outsiders who entertained us today. Todd Robbins, uh, his show Carnival Knowledge at the Soho Playhouse on Van Damme Street, 212-239-6200. Art Paul Schlosser. Um, go to, I don't even remember what his email was, but it's, it's Art Paul. Google for his website, Schlosser, S-C-H-L-O-S-S-E-R. Um, I want to have a couple of thank yous to do. Beck Lee of Blitz Media, thank you so much for helping set up this show. Engineer Joe Salzone, listen to his 
fine, fine program, Your World with Joe Salzone, Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. Um, Long Island's Gating, I have to put in a plug for Bonnie D. Graham's show. She's on Fridays at 6. I want to thank my wife, Joyce, for her unfailing love and support. A special thank you to Bruce of Woodmere, who actually wrote me a letter. I'm going to read it on the air. He was probably influenced by the folk music segment we had last week. He said, how about a segment dedicated to the Moyle and, his importance of, and the importance of his function in society? You could call it, Where Have All the Foreskins Gone? Ah, but take a tip from me. That's about it for this wonderful episode of Dave's Gone By. Just a reminder, next Monday, October 6th, is Yom Kippur. So there may be a repeat um, in my stead or something else. So we won't have a new show then. But Dave's Gone By will return Monday, October 13th. For details about the show, just check our website, hometown.aol.com forward slash Dave's Gone By. You can find pictures and playlists, news about the show. It's all there.